Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm the priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed today to talk with the pastor of St. Andrew the Apostle in Silver Spring, Maryland, Father Dan Leary. Father Dan has had a healing ministry for many, many years, and God has brought great fruit from it. Welcome today. Thank you so much, Father. It's great to be with you. Thank you. What was your experience? How did you first get involved, or what was your way that you were exposed to healing ministry or the fact that Christ continues to heal? Well, my background for my family came from a big Irish Catholic family that probably needed a lot of healing in and of itself. Sure. And I graduated from college, found myself in the seminary, then ordained from the Mount. And I found that there was a lot of grace and healing that was taking place through the sacraments, through the Eucharist, through confession, through devotions. But at one point in my life, I found myself at Guadalupe for five weeks. Returning from Guadalupe, having studied Spanish, people noticed a difference. And I began to recognize that it was through Our Lady's intercession that there was a great healing in me. Our Lady was always there to help bring healing, but also it's there that I think the charism of healing began in my own life. Help myself receiving the grace of healing and helping others find healing in, in that way. And maybe we can talk about it because it sounds like there's two different types of healing. Some people are given a charism of healing, and then there's the, the supernatural healing through the sacraments. Let's start with a second. Tell me more about how God uses the sacraments to bring about a greater healing within a person. Well, the, the sacrament of baptism really opens up the individual to grace. In that moment, faith, hope, and love, that individual becomes a child of God. The sanctifying grace is given to that individual. So there's a, an encounter of God's mercy there. They, they've had their first healing. Through, conf- through the sacrament of baptism. The rest of their life is to live out that healing process. It's to not only rem- to, to be healed, but to bring the healing to others and to remain in that state of grace of healing. So for me, when the sacraments are powerfully at work with the person in baptism, they maintain that grace through the sacrament of confession and they're fortified through the Eucharist, all of which are encounters of mercy, of healing, then the individual continues the process of actually healing to become in a person rooted in Christ. Talk more about the power and the gift of the sacrament of reconciliation to bring about healing and and actually what it does and how God's grace, just in a very unique way, uh, is given through that sacrament. It's a grace of liberation. It's a grace of deliverance. It's the the slave that's set free to, to live in the freedom and love of Christ. So confession um, allows the person to be free from that imprisonment to sin, to really walk as a child of God, to walk, to continue the walk through the grace of baptism. So, and then there's the grace of deliverance where that individual actually gains authority by their confession to be liberated from the pattern of sin. They gain the authority that they lost through their sinfulness. I remember when I was a newly ordained priest, someone said, go to like a youth conference and hear like hours of confession. And the first summer I did, it was about 10 hours of confession. 
And I remember realizing something happened before the sacrament and after the sacrament. There were a number of people in line that came prior to the sacrament of confession that said, I don't know if I even believe in God. And I came to find out the reality of, I mean, one of the things we talk about, sin has a twofold effect. It, it, it darkens the intellect. We can't see as clearly and it weakens the will. So you could see they're almost like, it's like they couldn't see God as clearly. And even they didn't maybe want to look at themselves. But after confession, the people came out and they were like, we're like new people. Yeah. We're different people. And that freedom, speak more about your experience of people, especially after confession and what they talk about, the freedom that they experience. Well, it's kind of that Lazarus moment, the woman with the hemorrhage moment, the the man lowered on the on the mat through the roof. It's it's these encounters with God's uplifting grace that pulls them from the ground, that lifts them out of their pain to help them be free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember one priest who was an exorcist talked about this. He says, we do more damage as priests to Satan's kingdom through a good confession. And even having one priest like St. John Vianney is a powerful, liberating yeah. moment because one priest can actually cast out the pattern of sin and the demonic presence through a powerful confession. Right, and the fact that it even introduces grace into a person's life in a new way. Freely desired. Freely that desired. the penitent desires that freedom. So it's even more power than, it, than an exorcism right. because they have freely entered the sacrament to receive. It comes from within. Yes. Yeah, it is a, a great grace, especially if any of our listeners have been away from the sacrament of confession or reconciliation for a while. This may be... God's invitation for you. Yeah, come on back. And if you haven't been in a while, you simply just say, Hey, Father, it's been a, a day, a, a week, a couple hundred years since my last confession. <laughs> That's right. He, help me out here. And I'm sure the priest, like any good old sinner, will be happy to be an instrument of mercy. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing you, you'll never surprise or shock a priest. It's great. It's only it's Ten Commandments. Right. Never surprise or shock a priest. So healing in the, in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Uh, what about, where, where does prayer kind of fit in to a, a deeper experience of healing individually individually and for the priest first the priest the priest if he's going to be an instrument of healing to receive the grace and to be an instrument has to be a man of prayer before the blessed sacrament but also each recipient of healing must maintain the grace they received by fortifying it through regular prayer trying to get the daily mass through our lady devotion to our lady the rosary divine mercy All of the prayers that the church allows, St. Michael prayer, will powerfully help the person maintain the grace that they received through the healing. Right, because it's not like a magic pill. Oh, no. You just take it. It's it's a relationship (laughs) that has to be continued. All healing is relation. All healing is relational. Unlike a doctor that fixes my arm, I don't have to have a relationship with the doc. Spiritual healing is a relationship with Christ through the church. Absolutely. It's mandatory. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can just talk broadly speaking. People have had various experiences of healing ministry in in general. Some of it's more charismatic, some of it's more quiet. Can you explain various experiences that people might experience and what's your observations about it? Well, I, I didn't have very good experiences as a seminarian on the topic of healing. It was, it didn't seem like something I would be comfortable with. So, Healing is, is very internal. It cannot be something exterior. It's an internal in- encounter with God's mercy. It's a, it's a liberation through the Father's love. And for me, when it becomes too much of hysteria, it becomes overwhelming, and it becomes more about the exterior presentation of the healing 
than the interior grace. Scripture is full of examples of joyfully healed people, but it was not anything other than Jesus telling them, follow me or go home to your family and Mm -hmm. bring this new grace. And that's the model I think we should all follow. Follow me and go home and tell your loved ones about the mercy of God. And the fact that God continues to encounter people, to seek out people, the fact that we can respond to that and receive healing. What has been some experiences of people who have come in in their journey of why they've maybe come to one of your healing masses? Well, they come to the masses with healing prayers. I think with physical struggles, they have cancers and other sickness, addictions. Sometimes there's a mental illness. And it really is a tremendous leap of faith and grace to come to the church in that act of humility. It's a, relive, it's, a, it's a, a representation of the gospel because they're looking for Christ and Christ is walking among them. And so the mass is with healing prayers because every mass is a healing mass because it comes with it with the grace is an open moment of mercy. God opens the side, the Father opens the side of Jesus and blood and water flow out. And so every Mass has these healing rivers of love and forgiveness. I think if people knew that about the Mass, it would change why they come or even the frequency of of participating in the the Eucharist. I would agree. I I think it's not about how they feel. It's not. Because there are many times people say, I didn't necessarily feel anything, Father, at the Mass with healing prayers. And they'll come back and tell me later, that there was a real grace that they received. Right. Because sometimes, it, it, while it can be physical healing, sometimes it can be a deeper spiritual healing or a peace or even a, a sense of the presence of God in a trial or in a difficulty or in a, in a suffering. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's grace even in that, in carrying your cross. Right. Well, We're going to take a break. Just a blessing having Father Dan Leary. We're talking about God continues to heal people in this day, and he's been involved in the healing ministry for many, many years. We'll be back after this break. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. With the 50th anniversary of humans first landing on the moon, we have a few items to share this week. Archbishop William Borders was the 13th Archbishop of Baltimore, but he once laid claim to being Bishop of the Moon. He was the founding bishop of the Diocese of Orlando in 1968, a territory which included Brevard County, home to Kennedy Space Center and Cape Canaveral. He claimed that, according to canon law then in effect, any newly discovered territory was placed under the jurisdiction of the diocese from which the expedition which discovered that territory originated. Based on his interpretation, Bishop Borders considered himself the Bishop of the Moon. And one local parishioner has had his eyes on the heavens for a long time. Jim O'Leary, a parishioner of St. Joseph Fullerton, recently retired from his longtime career as senior scientist at the Maryland Science Center. He has led a few major projects, including overseeing the final construction of the Davis Planetarium. He also shepherded the planetarium's upgrade to digital projections 11 years ago. He also oversaw the rooftop observatory with its 1927 telescope bought by the Maryland Academy of Sciences. O'Leary says his appreciation for the heavens fits in perfectly with his Catholic faith, something he often addresses in his public speaking. Science is about explaining the natural world and understanding the way things work, O'Leary explains. For these stories and more, visit catholicreview.org and search for Apollo. 
From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm Father Brian Nolan, a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. I'm here with Father Dan Leary. He's the pastor of St. Andrew the Apostles in Silver Spring, Maryland, in the Archdiocese of Washington. Father Dan, how long have you been involved in healing ministry? I've been involved with the healing ministry for about 15 years now. 15 years, okay. Mm-hmm. And what, what's, what's been your experience just over time? We, we talked about the, the power of, of the gift of baptism that opens ourselves up, the sacrament of confession. Can we talk a little bit about healing within the context of Eucharistic adoration. And first, if you could explain to our listeners, maybe who are not Catholic, what is Eucharistic adoration and how is it a source of healing? Well, let me even go back one step further. I knew nothing about the healing ministry. I had never been involved in the healing ministry. I had been involved in one mass with healing prayers, but I didn't understand. And subsequent after after a visit to Our Lady of Guadalupe and throughout my formation, I had a great love for the Eucharist, for, for the Blessed Sacrament, the presence of Christ in the in the tabernacle, that all of the masses with healing prayers follow are followed by adoration. And through that I have found tremendous healing in people's lives, where people come to a deeper faith in the Blessed Sacrament. And that begins to till the soil of their hearts, where they can begin to be really open to the healing ministry of Christ passing by, of Christ liberating them from their pain. What stories have people shared with you about their experience of praying before the Eucharist, before the Blessed Sacrament? Well, a lot of the folks have, have recognized that that is the growth of virtue in their lives. 
that a mass with healing prayers or some other faith encounter opens the door. It helps them to have that aha moment. And then that aha moment comes with a great, a great high, a great emotional liberation. But it must go deeper. And that's where the divine presence of Christ, the, the authentic presence of Christ in the Eucharist, draws them out of their pain and introduces them to the heart of Jesus. I remember hearing it explained that when we when we kneel or sit before the Blessed Sacrament, there's a sense of it's almost like going to the beach on a cloudy day. Mm. You can't see the sun, but you feel you experience the effects of the sun, and there's an experience of getting a sun tan, as one priest described it, only an S O N tan. The, the, the graces that come out, healing, love, the presence of God, peace, just flowing, and they, they penetrate even deeper areas. And people who have just experienced healing by spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Love is a presence. Father, love is a presence. Sin is paradoxically an absence, even though it feels like a weight. So anytime love is penetrating somebody's heart, it's going to bring to the surface the pain that is, in, that is rooted in that heart through sin. And so adoration deeply, quickly, and silently penetrates the heart to reveal the wounds. Yes. Share with me a little bit that many times in healing ministry, there's just practical experiences of, of how people experience wounds or the effects that, uh, that sometimes are both spiritual and physical in the connection between the senses. Share with me some of your experiences with that and how God's been involved in the healing of people through this. Well, after a number of years, I found that there has to be a practical model for people to evaluate and to gain authority in their healing process. Because at some point in their lives, whenever we talk about he- wounds, we're talking about something that either by choice or by the burden or sin of another got quote unquote out of control. And so I begun to help people walk through healing through their mind, through their eyes, through their ears, through their nose, so to speak, their face, through their mouth and through their body. Let me give you an example. Let's take my eyes for example. I help people to realize that the, the memories, the physical experiences that they saw with their eyes can actually oppress them. Let's say they grew up in a home where there was a lot of fighting. Let's say they grew up in a home where there was a lot of pornography displayed everywhere. Let's say they grew up in a home where not only was there fighting, but they saw drugs or they saw some other things that deeply oppressed their eyes. Those, that oppression on a natural level will also affect their spiritual encounter, can make their eyes very heavy during adoration. They're always tired. Let's say their ears, for example, they grew up in a home where there was a lot of screaming, a lot of name calling, and, um, a lot of words that very much oppress their ears. And, and sometimes they can't hear spiritually. They can't remember who wrote the gospel. They can't remember something that people have said spiritually, emotionally. And so what I've begun to do is give them the authority to begin to recognize those wounds in their senses and the nose being their face that they were punched or slapped or they never saw themselves as beautiful, that they begin to have authority by renouncing those and inviting Christ into that sense to liberate them and to give those senses the freedom that they, it's, it's like letting the captives go free. Yeah, and, and what's people's experience of that? Oh, powerful, powerful, because it helps them to realize like, why am I so tired? Why do I not hear properly spiritually? And people have begun to look through their own heart with the grace of the Holy Spirit, and with that grace of the movement of the Spirit, 
they have begun to recognize some physical pain in their body might be spiritually connected to a trauma, to a pain, or to some other memory that they just cannot shake, but now they know they have the authority to do so. So what you're speaking of is very often we can talk about people recalling the memories of the person who said uh, for a, a woman, I, I don't feel beautiful, that's what my father told me, or, or someone saying, I hate you, or someone, I wish you were never born. On a psychological level, there's an aspect of that. But you're making the connection, it's both psychological and even can overflow to the spiritual. It's, it's kind of like psycho-spiritual, it's, it's, it's both together, and that the healing also can be both together. Not not that we shouldn't have counselors or therapists, which especially in, in faith, it can bring great, both our gifts, but you're saying there can be a, a spiritual healing as well. Absolutely, and let's say the trauma of the connection where they felt unlovable and then all they did was eat because that's what they were given to do, go yeah. eat this piece of candy. That pattern can remain with them and then they can feel unlovable by their body image, sure. So people are given a new freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, with the grace of the Spirit working within them, and then their cooperation, they must respond. Father, that's why the sacrament of confession is so necessary. It's not simply just an act of receptivity. It's a moment where you're declaring, I'm imprisoned. Jesus, heal me through the, through the, in, through the instrumentality of the priesthood, and therein lies the, pro, the beginning of the healing for that soul. That's right, to say even the captives can be set free. Absolutely. And that spiritual freedom that comes. What would you say when you have done retreats or you know, what is your core message to people on these healing retreats? Healing is relational. He, Christ is not afraid of your pain, so don't you be afraid of his healing. And how many folks start the healing process afraid of the healing that Christ will give them, will, will offer them. Of course it's not going to be easy. It's a process. But the splinters come to the surface and Christ pulls those pains, those thorns out, nails it to the cross, and then that person is set free and to what, be an instrument of God. To be an instrument. And what would you say, what is their fear? Is it a fear like, don't touch this bruise because it, it hurts? Is it, what's your experience of that? Recognition that maybe they were participating in the pain as well. Maybe recognizing that there's some unforgiveness involved in that and they have to really address that. Recognizing in their own heart the effects that that bruise has had on their vocation. There's a lot of, there's a, a ripple effect of that unhealed wound. Right, because it could be with parents, it could be with a spouse. It could it's generational. Be, yeah. Generational to, to the parents, to my kids, sure. Right. So, and the fact that God wants to give a, a a new freedom. Can you describe what's your experience of what happens at a healing service that leads the the, the ones that you're involved in? I know there's other priests that lead other services as well. What what would it, what would it look like if someone come came to a healing mass? Yeah. Well, following the the mass, there'll be exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. We sing the proper songs of the church, and then through after a few songs and it's kind of quieting our hearts, people will be invited up to come and kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and the priests at that time will come and pray over them and bless them uh, with holy oil, blessing their foreheads, placing their priestly hands upon them, and inviting the healing to take place. So it's through the Eucharist, through the priestly hands, and also through the sacrament, sacramental oil, the oil of, that's blessed, um, that God will bestow a gift of healing. And you would make the distinction between the sacrament of anointing, which is a specific uh, holy oil used for that, and more like blessed oil, which is like holy water, um, blessed oil that's blessing them, that there's great freedom given. Any last words to give people hope 
hope and the sense of healing that God desires for for them? Excellent question. I think I think I would tell them, look, every priest that's in the healing ministry has been deeply healed themselves. Yeah. So have no fear that Father up there thinks any less of you, no matter what, because the greater the gift in the priest means the greater the healing that's taken place in his own life. Secondly, is that every priest is a healing priest. Maybe it's through confession, spiritual direction, or preaching. Every priest is supposed to be a redeemer in persona Christi. And I guess lastly, is that encourage your priests and encourage your friends to find a mass with healing prayers and to go with open hearts. Maybe go to confession prior to the arrival or that night if it's available and receive the grace. You know, what, once healing takes place, then you have to become a healer. Yes. And if I could add one more caveat, it is helpful that God gives uh, the gift of healing, including to, to, to the laity. Yeah. That some parishes have prayer teams and, and people through discernment and there's a, a discernment process where uh, Christ heals through many, but there is a special role in through a priest. What a great blessing having Father Dan Leary here, the pastor of St. Andrew the Apostle in Silver Spring. My name is Father Brian Nolan. What a great blessing to have you in Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.